Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. We are your hosts, Stephen Craig. And Parker Doman. And this is episode 120. And so, before we start, we have some announcements. Um, there's the Twitter chat that's every Friday. This one is May 18th at 1 p.m. Use the hashtag Macrofab to join in on the conversation with me, Parker. Um, well, I'll be controlling the at Macrofab Twitter account. Um, the meetup is next week. May 23rd, 6 p.m. at MacFab HQ in Houston. We'll have Brandon from Particle. He's going to give a talk about IoT fundamentals. Um, and we'll have a Twitch stream. So we'll have a link for that as well. So we'll stream the meetup event. And he'll probably also be showing off some Particle boards and things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going to bring some goodies. Um, and then we have the Houston Hardware Happy Hour. This will be the second one. It is the first Thursday of each month, so this one falls on June 7th at Slowpokes. Come by, bring hacks, and hang out and drink beer, coffee, eat food. And the first one went really well. Yeah. We we, we filled an entire table. Yeah, we had like nine people. Yeah, it was great. Yep. And and people people brought stuff, too. And they didn't kick us out. They did not, no. <laughs> I mean, because the beer kept flowing. Yeah. <laughs> so, Steven. Yes, sir. You have something very interesting, right? Uh, well, which 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 interesting thing are you talking about? Ah, which whatever one? you want to start. With. Okay, okay. Because I've I've got I've got two things, or at least they're of interest to me, uh, or at least one of them. One's kind of an RFO. What, what, yeah, one is a little bit of an RFO, but I, but I like this one. I think it's super it's super fun. So uh, recently, uh, as in the past handful of weeks ago, um, we we I knew about this a while ago, but just due to circumstances and the way the podcast goes, um, we decided to hang off on talking about this one. So you've probably already heard about it but the nintendo switch has officially been hacked or Mm -hmm. cracked or jail broken or whatever you want to call it yeah um so basically what that means is uh people have found access to the root of the device and they are able to put their own code onto it and in some cases there are some people running a full copy of linux on uh, that's cool on the switch uh and in fact there's already like a home brew scene uh coming up so there's emulators there's uh doom is already available even even though like you could purchase like the 2015 Doom from the Nintendo uh, store, the original yeah. Doom is now hackable onto the Switch. Uh, and something like this is uh, not necessarily something that we normally bring up on this podcast, but the way that it was hacked, I felt, was actually fairly interesting and kind of fun for us to talk about because it brings up a lot of questions about design. So on the Nintendo Switch, the main processor is a uh, NVIDIA Tegra X1. Now, this processor is kind of an uh, openly available processor. There's, it's not like this was designed specifically Can for you Nintendo. Can I wish. I wish. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, a lot of times processors are very difficult to get the data sheet. Mm-hmm. And, and this Tegra X1 is, is difficult, too. But most of the time to get... A, a, a data sheet you have to you know sign an NDA you have to you mm-hmm. know prove that you need or can supply millions or whatever blah 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 well with this one you can be involved in the Nvidia developers club or whatever they call it there's like a, a special thing you know and you can get access to the data sheet gotcha. so it's actually a lot easier than uh, you get a little you membership expect. card yeah yeah you carry it around like a little credit card yeah you? yeah that would be super nerdy in fact <laughs> if you have an, an a, a, a membership card like that bring it to the hardware happy hour and show that off because <laughs> yeah, yeah. those are the kinds of people that would be impressed by it um regardless 
what people have found with this specific processor is it has a specific mode that's called USB recovery mode. And this is a mode that's basically there if the system gets locked out. You can actually access low-level um, you have low-level access to the USB hardware, yep. not it, software. It's kind of like a microcontroller's DFU mode. That's right, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and that's almost like a programming mode, but this is basically USB direct connection hardware. It's not like a, a software stack on top of anything. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so what, what has happened is people have found a way where you short a handful of pins on the on the switch that are actually connected to where one of the connectors plugs into the device. You short these pins, you can actually convince the Tegra uh, processor to go into this USB recovery mode. And if you go into this USB recovery mode, what happens is it actually bypasses a lot of the protection that's in the boot ROM within the processor. Gotcha. So a lot of the high-level stuff that says, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you put this unsigned thing on my... It Basically, everything that Nintendo wrote into that processor to say, you can't do this, mm-hmm. you just walk around it by going into USB mode. And uh, so... This was originally found by, uh, I think the guy's name is Fail Overflow, where the O is a zero. And that's, uh, his website is uh, uh, failoverflow.com. This guy basically specializes in cracking uh, Hardware devices. Well, but gaming systems in in particular. Like, he's got, like, a full kernel of the PS4 system, like, available and stuff. And so, you know, this is his his jam. And so he, he found this hardware hack but apparently there was like multiple people who all kind of stumbled upon it at the same time mainly because the data sheet just basically says do this and then they traced out the the pcb and it's like oh my gosh this is it's exposed to the outside world it's exposed and in fact you can actually if you open up one of the joy cons which is the controllers for Mm -hmm. the switch uh the right joy con is sort of like the master joy con Mm -hmm. and the left slaves in a way uh well if you put a short wire inside the joy con you can make it such that it is like completely concealed like you like it's not like something you have to do external or or you mm-hmm. don't even have to solder anything into like any extra circuitry you just short pins um well it sounds a lot like the like in a high-end or, or in any kind of arm chip or whatever like an stm uh where you have a a boot pin and if you pull the boot pin low it goes into dfu mode automatically and allows you to bypass pretty much everything that's on the chip Right. And load right in. Yes. And that sounds exactly what this is. Right, but but in this case what you can do is you get you get past all of the protection mm-hmm. and then you can you have access to be able to load your code whatever code you want into whatever sector you want. So you can yeah, you that's can how load the, it. that's how a DFU mode works on a microcontroller. Right, so you can load it separately into wherever you want and then have it access that. The thing that's that's interesting is it's not as simple as just like you know, you're not going to just drag and drop your files onto this thing. Yeah. So, so here's actually a uh, a, a description. I, I'm, I apologize. I don't I don't have the website I got this from. So this is a quote from an article I found online. Um, let me see here. Okay. So by sending a bad length argument to an improperly coded USB control procedure at the right point, the user can force the system to request up to 65535 bytes per control request. 
that data easily overflows a crucial data memory address buffer in the boot ROM, in turn allowing access to uh, or allowing data to be copied into the protected application stack. Okay. So, so it's not as simple as so just saying a, like it's not a DFU mode where it's like you can just go okay stream this data over exactly you have basically somebody found to, an exploit you have to exploit the the usb stack that's on there exactly so this is actually a double exploit so the first exploit is hardware going around software protection mm-hmm. and then the second one is usb getting confused and then saying oh well i'm confused here i have access to memory you know yeah. <laughs> like so uh it, it it's this is not something that's like specifically or or very easy to do um if if you didn't know oh, there'd these be a things. script to do this probably already exists well, it, 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 it basically it does so this fail overflow guy has a github uh and he's put all this information on there he's even put a 3d printable uh clip that you can put a wire in and, mm-hmm. it, and it plugs into where the joycon plugs in and does the the um the uh, boot rom exploit um automatically so uh, go check out failoverflow.com, uh, and he's got a write-up of what he's done. Now, now one of the things that I think is kind of cool is he did not just release this to the public. Uh, 90 days before he released it to the public, he actually went directly to Nintendo and was like, hey, guys, I broke your system. I think that's the term of that is white hat hacker. Yeah, well... White hacker because he was getting green bills for it. Probably, I bet. I, I think he was getting paid. Um, I think Nintendo- not. Not white hack. White hat. Oh my bad. White yes. hat. Okay, but I think he was getting paid for this. So I, I think. I think actually Nintendo had a thing out where it's like if anyone ever finds a hack, we'll pay you for it. Hmm. Um, so regardless, I don't. I don't know that to be true. I've just heard that. Um, so I thought that was cool. I thought. I thought it was. Uh, it was interesting. Especially with someone as like strict about their IP and their hardware as Nintendo, mm-hmm. um, I wonder if they just kind of overlooked this or didn't. I, I think know I know exactly what this is. What is it? So they pro- Nintendo probably has a piece of software, okay, yeah. that is designed to re basically fix a Nintendo Switch if the if the OS breaks. So gotcha. something in the OS bricks, and so the device isn't usable, and you ship it back to Nintendo, and Nintendo shorts out those two pins, uh, or whatever pins it is, yeah. and then plugs it into their recovery dock, and then it it uses a the correct protocol over the USB to rewrite the operating system. Whereas, we, they don't have that, and so they just trick the USB to give them access gotcha yeah that that, that makes sense because it, yeah it could be a repair function that they mm-hmm. built into it or at least we're aware of yeah uh i i would i would think that someone that they would be fully aware of practically every way to get inside of this thing because mm-hmm. they know everyone's gonna try yeah especially because it's a portable system it's the first really portable system that plays the triple a games like you can take it anywhere and play them but you know, it, it's been kind of people's dreams to have it run emulators and all the other stuff that goes along with mm-hmm. that. So, I don't know. I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, one of the thing I did see is that there are other products that use the Tegra X1. Uh, specifically, there's a Google tablet. And mm-hmm. apparently, they've quietly discontinued that tablet. So, it might be susceptible to uh, problems also. Hmm. So, something interesting. Yeah. But the thing is, the Android tablet probably runs Android, which is pretty open. Yeah. So, so I don't know exactly 
why you would want to do that because you can already get emulators that do everything you want anyway on yeah. on an Android tablet. So, but but you know, as someone's always going to try to break into things. Yeah, I, I, that's interesting. Um, and I guess the only way Nintendo could have gone around that is if they designed they didn't have those hardware pins accessible. Yeah, or they have it, you know, uh, in a short and a different way, yeah, as then, opposed to external. But if you, if, if Nintendo needed to fix this person's Switch, they would have to open it up and mess with it instead of just going, clicking on a, you know, 3D printed Joy-Con. Right, right. Yeah. Now, you know, actually, so Nintendo released a new software update for the Switch not long ago, uh, and it's uh, version 5.0. Mm-hmm. So, apparently... And so I, I, I'm, I'm talking a little bit out of my butt here because I don't know the full details of this, but I, but I heard someone on 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 a YouTube thing say if you want to hack your your Switch, don't upgrade to 5.0. And one of the ways that they tried to get around a hardware hack is they, this is the way they described it, they scrambled memory. Mm-hmm. In other words, memory is not blocks anymore. It puts it puts all of its data into random addresses. Gotcha. And there's like a hash that controls where they go such that if you wanted to load something onto it you would have to hash it and put it in random locations as well as well so so it if you have system 5.0 then it's a software protection against a hardware hack Mm -hmm. so i've heard that but i don't know exactly how true that is but that's that's i mean that's a neat way to get around it yeah and if it doesn't impact uh the performance of the device that's a really fast and really good fix that nintendo put in Mm -hmm. play because you can't fix a hardware issue when you've sent 16 million out into the field, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Y- you're done at that point. Yeah. And mm. if you change the, the hardware even a little bit, then how you'd have to basically, every single time you come up with a new update, you have to have two different versions of that firmware now. One for the hardware-affected platform and one for not. Well, and somebody's looked into the logs on the uh, the version 5 update, and there's hints to new hardware. So there might be like a Switch Plus coming out, which is probably hmm. exactly the same thing, just different, uh, you know, a, a more hardware protection. I thought one of the cool things with the Switch platform it was their dock setup, because mm-hmm. um, it actually implements USB Type-C, yep. which can do... Um, and way to go, Nintendo, for not doing proprietary crap. like For once? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, excuse me. <coughs> the um, what what's cool with the dock is they make these for PCs, especially laptops. Is they make a dock that you can plug your laptop into that's got a built-in graphics card, mm-hmm. and USB Type C um, has enough bandwidth to basically drive this you know powerful graphics card, so you can send enough data basically, and. I was always thinking, like, hey, a Switch Plus would basically just be a new dock, and you would just take your Switch and pop it into your Dock Plus, and it has its own GPU in it. Hmm. That'd be cool. And so... Because right now, the dock is, like, just a USB-C hub, basically, mm-hmm. right? That just, like... It's just yeah. a pass-through. It's a, it's a USB-C to... HDMI. HDMI, and has a hub on it. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing that's just interesting about the about that dock is it doesn't do much but there's potential there for this to happen and we already know that the software kind of already does this where if you put it in the dock and it has it's being powered up the switch can actually use more power it can draw more power off the USB-C connector than it can from its batteries and so it upscales everything and runs higher resolution on your 
to a TV yeah. first in portable mode. So we know that they're already designing their software to have variable like graphics quality. Mm-hmm. So if they get a Switch Plus and then you you know, maybe Zelda will look better. Who knows? Oh, so instead of instead of doing the graphics crunching on the tablet, offload that to Oh yeah, the graphics card that's in your your in your in your dock. Dock plus. Dock plus. Plus plus. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it's gonna be called Dock Plus. Yeah. No, it'll probably have some weird Nintendo name. That they always are like what is the Wii Mote Plus. So somehow it's gonna have like two eyes in it somewhere. It has to have like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that's just their kind of thing. The amiibo and the Wii and the Oh yeah. All that crap. Yeah, yeah. Umlauts. <laughs> German spelling for a Japanese company. Yeah. I like it. And that not, that would not be the weirdest thing. No. Not really. They, when the Wii first came out, I was just like, "What? What? Like, yeah. oh, your your systems before this all made sense. Like GameCube, Nintendo sixty four. Like all of them had like they just make sense. Or the first then, one was the Nintendo. Yeah. Okay. And the next one's Super Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put two and two together. And the N sixty four's original name was Ultra Nintendo. That's right. So. Yeah. Or the Ultra sixty four. Ultra sixty four. Yeah, because yeah. like back then, like your 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 uh, the number of bits you had available was like a huge thing. Yeah. So like well, sixty four would crush the competition. Blast processing, man. Uh, that that was uh gosh that was Genesis doing sixteen bit right? Yep. Yeah. That was DMA. Those are those are some <laughs> good times right there. All right, so on to the next thing. Um, so, got a little bit of an announcement. Um, so, I I am moving on. I am leaving. Actually, no, that's not the truth, necessarily. But, um, so, I actually have not been working at Macrofab since... Uh, Gosh, November, November yeah. of last year. Yeah, uh, I shouldn't say not not working. I I I've been doing the podcast. That that is that is work. So yeah, I actually uh, I I left Macrofab back in in November of seventeen, kind of to go off and do a little bit of my own thing for a bit of time. Um, and I actually just got a new position up in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, so coming up here soon, I will be buggering off to Denver. Yeah, I think you're moving this weekend. Uh, no, uh, the weekend after. Oh, weekend after. Okay. So I, I still got a, two weeks. Okay. Yeah, and then a week worth of moving. Which, Have you ever moved ooh. like that before? Uh, actually, you know what? So. I no, I have not moved like myself and a family that that far. I, I mean, I moved when I was younger from from mm-hmm. Oklahoma down to Texas, but you know, the farthest I have moved like permanently is to College Station, which is like an hour and a half away from Houston. So yeah, uh, this is this is a bigger move for me. Um, so people will probably this this will not come as any kind of surprise but i actually picked up a uh, job as a synthesizer designer at a place up in uh, denver yeah, called it's like your dream job it's well i mean and 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 if you've listened to the podcast any time in the last 2 years then you know that i talk about that quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, and do a lot of work with and and funny enough the synth that i designed on the podcast helped me get a job up there uh, so i'm going to be working at a place called WMD which stands for William Matheson Devices, uh, and they are not a, the thing that Iran has, right? No, or Iraq. No, it's supposedly, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it has not been confirmed. Quotes. <laughs> 
Um, but no, uh, so I'm going to be uh, designing Eurorack modules and guitar pedals, and uh, they do they have a whole manufacturing floor uh, up there. So I'm going to be helping out with the manufacturing of musical equipment, which will be super fun. And in terms of what that has to do with the podcast, uh, Parker and I have uh, we we want to continue to do the podcast. We don't have any uh, any ideas right now as to not do the podcast. Basically, so yeah. so uh, you know one of the other big uh, electronics podcast in in our field there two guys are not in the same location and they're doing just fine. They're in different hemispheres. They're di- yeah, different yeah, different hemispheres and probably like exactly opposite on the earth. If they put if today. they if they were doing the podcast and put a, a piece of bread down, they would make a earth sandwich. <laughs> a planet sandwich. A planet sandwich. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, so if they can do it, I'm, I, I think we can do it. So we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna try to do some. Uh, well, not try to do. We are going to do some remote podcasts. Mm-hmm. So the the format will change just a little bit because I will be in a different location. But uh, so yeah, there's there's an announcement, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have plenty of opportunities to. Uh, I'll be down in Houston, and Parker has uh, expressed wanting to come up there. Oh, yeah. So we'll probably do some podcasts up there and down here again. It's also like 70 degrees up there in like. August, so you know, I, I was I was packing up my apartment the other day, and it was ninety something degrees. It was brutal outside, and so I just pulled out my phone and looked, and at the same time, it was sixty three degrees in in Denver, and I was like, ah, oh, I'm so happy I'm getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, the only other thing though is that when it's winter here and it's like nice and fifty degrees, it's like twenty below there. Yeah, it it yes, it does get cold. Yeah. That that is that is one thing, but I'm looking forward to that because I've never really had like a, I've never had a real winter mm-hmm. like ever, and so you know I'm looking forward to that. And everyone everyone's probably like, oh, you're gonna hate it. It's gonna be the worst. I don't know. Let me let me figure that one out for well, myself. You like to snowboard, so I do like to snowboard. Yeah, uh, and and funny enough, I got rid of my snowboard last year. Oh, uh, I've, I've <laughs> had it since I was 16. I was like, I'm never gonna use this again. And then I got a job in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's 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 my other announcement. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So what's up with you, Parker? Um, actually, we're just gonna go right on the RFO. Oh shoot! This was this was a, a this is a Stephen only podcast. Yeah. No, no Jeep updates. No Jeep updates. What, what about? Uh, what I've ab- done some wiring, but that's about it. Okay. What about uh, your, your your DAX? Uh, that article should be out this week. Okay. Part four. Let, let, let me think of what else is like a... Oh, any any pin heck updates? No. No pin heck updates. We did get some stuff working on like the GPU low-level stuff on it, but we've already talked about that. Okay. Uh, anything having to do with oh, like... Oh, I posted on my blog. Ooh. Last what, night, what, actually. <laughs> what, Game Boy stuff? Yeah. Uh, FPGA stuff? Yep. What was the post about? Designing um, a uh, Cyclone 4 design block in Eagle, and I'm like, eh, it's done. So... I'm actually going to start posting on the blog, my blog, uh, three times a week. So that's um, that's a lot. That's the goal. Yeah. So Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday probably. I, I, is it just going to be like it's going to start off with like these full written articles and like really nice, and then it's going to devolve to like a few sentences. Then it's going to devolve to like here's what I put on Twitter. And then it's just going to be a picture. <laughs> then it's going to be a picture of beer. Yeah. And then nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Then we'll just go back to what it was doing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Go for it. I think that I think that's great. Yeah, you know, actually, that's a good idea. I should make it so that my Twitter account posts directly to my blog three times a week. Three times a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's a great way to fill out content. Yeah. Cool. 
So the RFOs this week mm-hmm. are um, we actually only have two. One is say hello to Android Things 1.0. So apparently this is a thing. Like Google has its own Android-based IoT platform. Um, and the big thing was they released 1.0 this week. Um, sure, it's like a um, uh, software stack that runs on IoT platforms. But what was really interesting was they have a whole bunch of hardware that this stuff just runs on and they support that hmm. they have designed, I guess. They call them system on modules. They're, you know, like an ESP uh, 8.2, whatever it is. Um, that kind of style where it's a PCB with parts on it and castellated edges and you drop it down. All these are bigger than that that Wi-Fi module, but they are pretty much the same thing. Um, it also supports Raspberry Pi 3, but only for prototyping. Like, they won't give you official support. Hmm. So that was, that was interesting. But what I saw was the the whole thing was it's ready for production, so you can get you know through prototype and scale up, right? Hmm. Which is awesome. Yeah, you know people need that. But how ready is it really? Well, I don't know about that because I haven't used it. Okay. But the thing is, they call a there these modules that everything runs on. It has a three year quote long term support for the hardware. Hmm. So that hardware is only available for three years, guaranteed. Does that mean like that revision or like that hardware as a That's, whole? They just say the hardware. Hmm. Well, it sounds... And I'm like, that's not really long term. I, I guess that's what... We should have asked Embedded FM last week if three years is long term for software people. <laughs> God, I would hate to have to redesign a product every three years. Yeah. I'm like, I would say... Because the Raspberry Pi 3 compute module is guaranteed for six years, minimal. And that is like, when I saw that, I'm like, as a hardware engineer, I'm like, that is okay. I'd like to see a decade Yeah, for yeah. a chip or no, no, a module. When, when, you say, when you say supported, do you mean still in manufacturing or support S- as in like... Still in manufacturing. So like okay. if you're building a product that has this... Uh, system on module. Yeah, you can it, still get it. You can new. still get it after three years. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that seems a little short. Well, isn't the Raspberry Pi two still in manufacturing? I, I think I think they. Uh, if you go to their website, they they say because of their industrial com- uh, customers, they still, still actually manufacture it. the two. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and and that's that's good. That I think I think that yeah. you should do that, even though the three beats it in every way, and it's the same price. Yeah. Like, if you already have your system designed for the two, you can still get it. Yeah. But Google is only saying for their system on modules, three years. After that, eh, who knows? Man, you got to manufacture a whole shitload all at once. Yep. And then be like, oh, what's the next product? We're going to have to do something else. Yeah, do revision every three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe okay. that's what they're expecting the market to go to. Because, I mean, we already see cell phones have a cycle time of like eight months. Yeah. Like, there's already a Pixel 3. Really? Yeah. Coming wow. out soon. Wow, that's crazy. And I'm like, the Pixel 2 brand new was like six months ago. Yeah. So maybe that's what Google's doing is they expect the cell phone model to trickle down to most other devices. But I don't see consumer grade IoT devices to have that much of a life, like that short of a life cycle. Which, you know, okay, so it's, so it's interesting. Something like the ESP Wi Fi chip, like its function is Wi Fi, which. 
that's going to be around for a while. Like we're mm-hmm. going to have that. the The only way you not, I shouldn't say the only way, but but one way that you make Wi-Fi better is you just make it faster or more reliable. Or but still, mm-hmm. like that chip still does that one function. There's no reason why it should be discontinued in three years. I'm not saying that one will be. So I think mm-hmm. we can expect things like the ESP to be around for a long time. Now. What what makes their hardware only three years capable? You know, is it know. like specific sensors or you know something of that sort, or they just don't want to support it? I think it's just they want to make sure if this doesn't pan out, they can just pull the plug. Yeah, it's all happened with Intel and their all, all their IoT stuff and uh, x86 stuff. Basically, they're like, well, this stuff's not selling. Pull the plug. Wow. You know, we uh, we had a product back um, in at my first job that had a, a really unique oscillator in it uh, that was a very powerful oscillator that could actually oscillate almost regardless of what impedance you put on on, in, on the front end of it. And it was an analog oscillator. Uh, and the the thing that was interesting about it was it's a five 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 timer <laughs> with a ginormous op amp on it. <laughs> yeah, just, just, yeah, and dumping like half an amp into it. Or yeah. Stuff. Uh, this this was a dual transistor kind of configuration where they kind of like shared the energy and passed it between each other. Uh, and with that kind of with that kind of oscillator, it works really well if both of the transistors are matched. Mm-hmm. And you can buy super matched transistors in a single like SOT package like a SOT 5 or whatnot where the emitters are connected together and things like that but my boss uh, uh, would not allow us to get any of those because it had been his experience he's been doing it for 30 years he's like those kinds of chips they will only be around for like two or three years and he's like that will change and then you know what your most critical component the the front end oscillator on your entire product now the most critical component of that is obsolete you can't find it anywhere uh, that makes and so sense. we would go and completely redesign these these old designs just because of that uh, yeah. now in a situation like that it makes sense like you would dodge something like this but if you're just talking about like I don't know some kind of like add-on little plug-in thing it it, it seems kind of weird that they would go out uh, for, for three years that doesn't but there's got to be something behind it. There's got to be some reason. Yeah. Especially where they also said three years was long-term. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't really know what long-term is, Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, maybe you know, maybe it is long-term for a software guy. Who knows? Let us know in the Slack channel or in comments below. Yeah. Um, so number two is a email that we got in. And it's a it's an interesting question. Um. It's I, or the listener writes. Um, a topic I'd be interested in hearing you guys discuss is how you go about intentionally improving your engineering skills. I've been thinking a lot recently about the idea of achieving mastery in quotes of a skill, and I'm interested in interested in other people's take on that topic. Hmm. So, how do you get better at engineering? You do it. Uh. Let me see here. So, <clears throat> I think I think what 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 uh, one way that could really work well, or one way that I like to employ, is um, 
I'm always trying to learn in some way. I'm always trying to, like... I think that's like, the most important thing. Yeah. So, I mean, even my wife makes fun of me because we'll be, like, she'll be like, hey, let's watch a movie. I'll be like, all right. And then the entire time I'm on my computer, like, researching something. <laughs> Reading a white paper on a Yeah, or, or, like, I mean, <laughs> swear to God, like, I'll, I'll be on my on a simulator. I'm, like, simulating a new way to do something uh, or, or, or whatnot. So, uh, trying things. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if you come across, like, a, a question where you're like, what if? Or I don't know if. Or how do you? Like if if those ever pop into your head, like don't just be like, oh, I can't think about that. Like follow that. Like let that let that go down that path and yeah, see it where down. it takes you. And if you can't do it right then, yeah. write down your question that you just had. Yeah, then you can get to it. Right, right, right. Actually, uh, here, here's a great example. Um, the other the other day uh, on the podcast, Parker and I talked about different grounding schemes for electronic circuits. Yep. Uh, and I think we I talked read about, like four papers like the next day. Did you really? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Uh, so we we talked about true, honest to god star, star grounding. Yes. Um, so I have a PCB in the works right now where I'm doing honest to god star ground on it. Oh, uh, like boy. I'm actually making one, uh, and and it's purely like I really don't know if that's going to be great, and I really want to measure it against other circuits that I have that are similar. So I'm just trying it, and in you know, but at the same time, I've also I'm also reading about it and figuring out like what's the best so uh i think the best way to do it is to just try it also uh you know this is not a criticism at all to the way that you know this question was worded but like i wouldn't ever like seek to be a master at something i think you'll just like I, I'm certainly not a master at anything, but I think well, you becoming... Got, you got sweet bow staff skills. Oh, well, yeah, and, and nunchuck skills, yeah. <laughs> but, like, becoming a master at something, I think that's something that, like, you, you just earn. I don't think that's something that you're like, I'm going to be a master at this. Uh, and then, like, it's not something I mean, that you ever, for, like, end at. It worked you know? for Ash Ketchum, though. That's true. He was a Pokemon... Well, but... <laughs> But you had to play the entire game and be the master. Yeah, like, that's true, that's there true. was a set of goals that you had to achieve to do that. <laughs> so uh, that, that's that's my take. What, what do you think? Um, so this is what I do. So it's it's the same thing where like if you have a question or you think about something, you I just research the hell out of it. Like I think that's, that's why I spend like from like eleven o'clock to midnight when I go to bed. I spend like all that one hour. I just spend looking at like forms. Looking at white papers, new chips, that kind of stuff. Anything that was like interesting, I look at. Um, at work, I spend at least an hour a day looking at that same kind of stuff, researching, looking through um, websites like EE Web, Electronics Weekly, anything that looks interesting that is like my area, which is like embedded systems. I will go down that rabbit hole. Like new sensor technology is like my favorite. Oh, that's like great. New stuff in MEMS. Um, or any kind of like I found these really cool new ethanol sensors that are like actually certified and stuff and tested it out last weekend oh nice <laughs> so they work like did like a if field test on them field, quote yeah <laughs> while we were playing uh, Star Wars D20 I was actually testing it and, were you really? <laughs> yeah. oh, my other and the numbers monitor. kept going up and uh, up, and up. Yeah. No, I, was, I was actually um, coding it as we were playing Star Wars D20 yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, like, yeah. wait, you, you, like, you stepped away from Dungeons and Dragons to the code. code. Yeah. <laughs> so I was coding it and trying it out and seeing how accurate it was um, compared to a really cheap breathalyzer I purchased. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, wow, that's that's it's unbelievably nerdy. It's pretty that's good. That, wow. Well. Um, um, yeah, I always say just never, always, you need to take a lead. I think you have to do it every day. 
Yeah. That's one thing is you have you can't take a break from it in my opinion. Like even like <laughs> Do on Do not sleep. Even on like vacation, like quote vacation, like I'm still looking at stuff. Like uh two weekends ago I went down to Galveston, went fishing, like cleaned up cleaned all the fish, all that stuff, and we're, you know, um back at the bay house and I just like looked at my phone and I got an email from TI saying, Hey, we got some new chips. I'm like, awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Downloaded all the oh, PDFs and started reading through them. Oh, that's gorgeous. That's um, amazing. Yeah. New app notes. I really like app notes because it's always like a very specific thing of how to do it. And they usually have a like high level app abstract of like, this is like the problem and blah, blah, blah. And this is how you solve it. And you learn like a very sliver, like, but it's a vertical sliv- sliver of like the problem the solution and then like the technical aspects you learn all that of this really narrow problem that's in engineering oh yeah but then you learn everything about it <laughs> yeah, this, this, and so you like yeah, know, yeah. so eventually in your you know in your lifetime you'll probably never come across it but when you do you know every single thing about it and know <laughs> what to do yeah 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 <laughs> actually and and funny enough i, I kind of have a uh, i think this this happened last night um I was I was looking up loads for uh, transistors and tubes for their uh, I guess their anode connection um, or their collector connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for an amplifier like and I'm not talking about like an audio amplifier, but just an amplifier configuration, the 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 best load is a constant current load. Okay. For those things, you get the highest. You actually realize the full gain out of a system. But if you're wanting to make a constant current load at voltages that are above, say, 15 volts, it actually gets kind of difficult uh, because you have to have the right things for that. So I went on this, like, odyssey of how do you, like, how do you make a high-voltage constant current source that has incredibly high output impedance but like can drive loads at like a hundred milliamps or something like that and you know a lot of where it it starts is google image search yep you do google image search and then you see a whole bunch of schematics and and like you get to this point where you look at one you're like that's crap that's crap that one's good and then you go to that website and start digging through yeah yeah so it's a lot of reading but you you know what one skill that you actually learn is how to skim really fast. Yep. Like looking I, for the right information. I will skim through and I will see equations or I will see numbers and I start looking at those first and if they look like decent, then I'll go back and I'll start reading some more of the actual words because you know, if it's just a guy who's like this thing is really great and it's like okay, cool, that's his opinion, but like if you see another guy where he's like really analyzing something, it's like I want to learn it to the level that he has it mm-hmm. and you just start reading that. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think that's that's what you just gotta do. Is just, and I think surround yourself with it too. Right, For, forfeit your social life entirely. <laughs> that's that's one of the first. I know things. I have. Yeah, no, or go or go be that guy who researches these things at a bar. You know, <laughs> he's on I mean, his he's on his phone. We did that two weeks ago at the hardware meetup, and not or just us. There hour. was like nine of us there. Yeah. In fact, it w- it was actually really cool at the happy hour. There was you know a lot of the people who showed up were they they would you know say like hey have you seen this new xyz chip or whatever and everyone was like oh no what what does it do like it was cool it was was a lot of fun so yeah involve yourself in that kind of stuff and listen listen to all of our podcasts yeah (laughs) (laughs) you might learn something i cannot prove or i can't yeah i will (laughs) yeah we cannot say that you absolutely will but you might yeah so yeah okay that well, was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We were your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. Uh, see you next time, guys. Take it easy.
Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic that you want Stephen and I to discuss, tweet us at MacFab or email, yeah, email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. I'm sorry, I'm a little congested today. Um, allergies are crazy. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button. That way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen. It helps the show stay visible and helps new listeners find us. You know, I probably should subscribe to the podcast. 